Oh, look what I found at the uh, hardware store this afternoon. What do you think? Do you, know, do you recognize what this is? So many of us have gas grills today that we hardly remember what, what charcoal is. So I made a little, a little um, pile of charcoal because that's what we do. We put it in a pile, and then you know, the, you know the drill, and then we soak it with lighter fluid, or if you want to spend a little more money, some of them are, are self-lighting. But I didn't want to spend a little more money, so this is just... But you know what? Somebody said, are you going to burn that all during the service? I said, well, no. What would I do for tomorrow's services? So don't worry. The fire marshal will not have to be called. The smoke alarms will not have to go off. But I was thinking about the charcoal and how it is that they're all piled together. Do you notice that? And then when I, when I used to start these charcoal fires, I would, you know, put the stuff on. And before I knew better, I would kind of squirt it in the middle. Ooh, you don't do that. But anyway, because I had a friend that the fire traveled right up and burned him. But anyway, um, so you don't just put one piece of charcoal over there and one over here and a few in the middle and then squirt the lighter fluid on. Why not? Because they all have to huddle together until they finally, and it takes forever. You really, you really have to be patient with charcoal fires. And you have to wait until they begin to get hotter and hotter. They turn gray and they finally turn white. You know the drill. I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. But I want to, I just got to thinking in some ways, as believers, we're like these little pieces of charcoal. You know, when we all get together, and by the way, thank you for coming tonight, and for those of you that are watching, maybe you're together with two or three others of your family, and that's good, because wherever two or three are gathered, there is the Spirit. When we gather together, we allow the Holy Spirit to come and douse us with His presence, and then fire from God comes as we worship and as we sing His praises, and just gets us all glowing. So then, when it's time for us to leave, we... We're doing really well because we gather together in the name of the Lord. And then as we go out, we can be lights in a dark world, in our own world. So last Sunday, Jim Murphy, well, actually it was last Saturday night, Jim Murphy challenges us to burn brightly for Jesus in our spheres of influence. He challenged us to be reaching out and welcoming and inviting and warm ways to share our faith with those who don't know the Lord. 21 Days of Hope has already been mentioned. Many practical ways of reaching out to other people in inviting, welcoming ways. Today, my mission is to back up one step and talk about how crucial and how vital it is for us to gather together and to be reunited, reignited every, every week or as often as we can, whether it's a small group, whether it's a church service, whether it's something else. And so I, that's why I have this as a visual age, aid. You and I are charcoal briquettes for Christ for purposes of our, of our lesson today. So think about that, and the thing about how your very presence here is an encouragement tonight. Well, it's not night yet. Almost. Anyway, we're glad you're here. So I want to talk about encouragement today. Encouragement is the theme of the day. All people need encouragement. Wouldn't you agree? Someone to believe in them. 
someone to reinforce them when everything seems to be falling apart. All people need encouragement, someone to help them pick up the pieces and go on. Some, someone to reassure them that everything is going to be all right. Someone to give them increased determination to persevere despite the circumstances which are less, as we heard earlier, than we would want. Especially true of this time of prolonged COVID. Aren't you weary of all of this and the masks and all of the restrictions and the isolation that comes? And those of you that are at home, you know even more what I'm talking about. So we need to encourage. My mission again to state the obvious is to encourage you to be an encouragement to other members of the body of Christ. Because if we're not encouraging one another, if we're not burning brightly for Christ, getting, as it were, reunited and, and ignited, then we're going to have trouble reaching out to our neighbors and our friends and, and our people in our spheres of influence. And this is the message of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Let's pray before we go any further. And so, God, we are here to sing your praises. We are here to, to worship you. We are here to sit at the feet of Jesus and to hear your voice speaking to each one of us. We pray that you would help us to feel your presence very near. We know that you're here. By faith, we believe that. Your word says so when two or three gather. And so here we are, small in number, but mighty, because you are with us. So give us something to go on, something to grow on this day, that we might be more and more like Jesus as we encourage one another, and then as we go out and try to be a witness to others in our spheres of influence. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. These words in Hebrews chapter 10 come in the context of a call to believers to persevere in time of intense persecution. It was the first century. They found it very difficult to meet publicly, very risky to meet publicly. So they resorted to meeting in secret, in seclusion, clandestine groups of two or three early house churches. They desperately needed and they desperately wanted to rekindle the fire of their lives. They needed each other. Today we are finding it's risky to meet in large groups, aren't we? Things are beginning to get better and we hope that they'll soon be a memory in the past, but they still our major factor in our life. New and improved meetings, uh, uh, ways of technology have really been brought to the fore or on the fast track. I didn't know much at all, and now I know a little bit more. Well, maybe a lot more. And those of you that are watching us, you had to, to, to learn a lot. And the people that are upstairs running all of the equipment, we are thankful for them as well. And it's certainly better than nothing to be able to meet virtually. Maybe you could have fellowship with the people that are watching with you today. Maybe you can invite others next week. I know a couple families that had two or three families get together and watch online. 
Just one idea. We're thankful because it is better than nothing for some. But in some cases, it's become a way of life. Pundits predict that even as COVID restrictions lift, many people will, will choose to stay at home. They will choose to work at home. They will choose to, if you can believe it, socialize at home. The social media has so many opportunities today, and it's so much easier to get a, uh, put your, keep your robe on and get a cup of coffee and go and sit down and listen to the message or watch the worship service. But I've talked to any number of people that say, yes, but the singing is dismal when I'm sitting in front of my computer. Well, that's true. We do the best that we can. But many others have gotten out of the habit of meeting altogether. People I've talked to, and maybe you too. And my friends, I'm here to warn that that would be a huge mistake. That would be a huge mistake. As believing briquettes, we need to meet whenever and wherever possible. And we have a mandate to encourage one another, to motivate one another to love and good deeds. And even when we can't encounter people in person, we can still reach out to them. Again, through the internet, we can email them, we can text them, we can snail mail them. Some of you remember the days when we used to write letters. You know, and we used to be taught cursive too. Do you remember that? Now everybody just prints. Well, they're not really printing, they're lettering, but everyone just, just prints. And, and that's fine, it's just a sign of the times, but we can get in our cars and drive by and wave. We've had virtual 100th birthday parties here or, or some anniversary or something and the, where the people are told ahead, you know, that we're going to be coming and they stand out and they wave and we wave in our cars, still socially distant. There's ways we can overcome this. We could run over and leave something on their front porch and then after we've gone, they can safely come out and get it like we do with UPS and FedEx and all of the rest. We can encourage people with whom we live. Yes, you that are home, you that are here, members of your family, you can encourage those that you live with all the time. Ooh, that's hard. It's a lot easier to come to church and encourage someone than it is to encourage someone that you live with all the time. And they live with you. Yes, yes it is. Don't say it's not. We can display a cheerful spirit. That's encouraging. A winsome smile a helping hand, a positive attitude. The power of words cannot be overstated or underestimated. In recent days here at Faith, we have seen all too well how words can hurt and can bring division, how devastating negative words can be. And once they've been said, they can't be taken back. It's like the dragon that goes, woof, and burns everybody within, within range. And then goes, oh, I'm sorry. Can you ever forgive me? Well, it's really hard when I'm burned to forgive you. But that's what the Bible says we're to do. Forgive one another. So as we encourage others, we find ourselves encouraged. As we 
say to ourselves, we're not going to go down the negative words. My mom and dad used to say, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Have you ever heard that? I thought it was from the Bible when I was young. And it could have been, if you look at Proverbs. Now, there's a time and a place where that isn't good. But what for my purposes today is if, if we need to say encouraging words to another. Because the old adage, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. That is a lie. That is patently false. Have you ever been hurt by words? Yes, I have too. Sticks and stones may break my bones, and so can words. Negative words hurt each other emotionally, spiritually, and even physically. Negative words can make us sick. Dwelling on an insult or a snub or an accusation, a rumor, a lie, a cut, a put-down can cause our bodies to actually malfunction. But, in contrast, positive words can bring joy and healing and encouragement. Listen, I'll just, I'll just give you three from the Bible. Proverbs 12.25 says, An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. Proverbs 16.24 Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. And Proverbs 25.11 a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Positive, helpful, upbuilding words are beginning to be the prevailing winds around here. Praise the Lord. And thank you for your efforts to, to put away, put aside the negative kind of thinking and the negative kind of talking and to start encouraging one another but my, my burden today is, I just feel the Lord wants us to be encouraged even more, to be more encouraging to other people. Because some of us are the silent, quiet type, you know, the strong, silent type. We, we do appreciate it when the choir sings or when the worship team does it, but do we ever say anything to them? Do we ever say, thank you for your ministry? Or maybe we hear a good, a good message. Do we ever think to thank the pastor? Very few do. And that's okay, that's not why we do it, but how encouraging is a word. One of my pastor friends says, I could live a month on one compliment. So just think if I got two in one day. Praying together in small groups is an encouragement. Thanks to all of you, too, that have encouraged Norma and me, and we hope that we've been an encouragement to you as well. Because of recent events, because the coming of the Lord is nearer now than ever, how can we encourage one another? I've already given you some sneak previews, but that's why we have this up. Think of ways to motivate and encourage one another. Yeah, think. Oh, I'm sorry. It's so hard to think. You know, it's hard work to think, isn't it? I used to hate it when they make us think in school. You know, but that's part of the, the process. So I'm challenging each one of us. Yes, you, even you, and you. Think of a way that you could encourage someone else this very day or this very week.
As we encourage others, we find ourselves encouraged. That's what Jesus means when he says, among other things, it is more blessed to give than to receive because he knows that in the giving we do receive. You see, when I give a compliment to somebody and I see them brighten up or I see a smile or a, oh, oh no, that's fine, thank you, that encourages me because maybe that's the first compliment they've gotten or the first encouraging word. There are so many people giving discouraging words in our, in our, in our world today, aren't there? And the last place we need to hear a discouraging word is church and our Christian friends and our relatives. Isn't that just the last place you'd want to hear a discouraging word? Oh, give me a home where the buffalo roam, where seldom is heard an encouraging word? Oh, no, I got that wrong. Where seldom is heard a discouraging word. And the skies are not cloudy all day. Now, wouldn't that be great for us to be known as a church? Where seldom is heard a discouraging word. Talk about vision for the future. That's part of my vision. And then? Well, let me just say again, our new mission statement aspires us to become and to be a church that is welcoming and inviting. And so when new people come, we have to be, we're, we're, we're going to be challenged to be welcoming and inviting. But you know, if that's not our way of life, it's going to come across as artificial and not genuine. Hi, thanks for coming today. And we're looking at the next person. No, let me tell you something. When people come through the door, they're, they're forming their first impression. Now, I know these days not too many new people come through the door, but sometimes there are. And I'm looking forward to the COVID days being gone so that there'll be, be lots of new people coming through the door. So your assignment from the Lord and his word, should you decide to accept it, is to look for new people. Now, when there's just a few like this, it's pretty easy to see. You know, I know this family sits here all the time. This family sits here all the time. Some of you take those back seats. That's fine. And, you're, and some are way in the back. Yeah. Anyway, I know where to find you. But what if a new person came? What would be your reaction? You're new. Thank you. Here's a new person. All right. Thank you. So let them know you are genuinely pleased that they came. We're genuinely pleased you came today. So thank you for coming in person to visit us. So this, again, is just common sense, but maybe not so common if we don't know it. When you're talking to somebody, folks, look them in the eye. Don't look past them to see where all your friends are. I've had people shake my hand, and they're, they're not making eye contact at all. They're looking over here to see if John and Mary are over there. Oh, wait just a minute. Uh, you know, that, that is not what we're looking for. Focus on the person. And let the visitors or the returning members, because we hope there will be returning members in the days to come, let them know that having this conversation with them is the most important thing in the world to you right then. And that's a learned art. It really is. We don't look people in the eye very often. We don't really give them the impression we're listening very often. People are more perceptive than you imagine. They can tell if you really love Jesus by your warmth and your love and your caring. We need to give the impression not, what are you doing in our church? But, oh, I'm so glad you came. Welcome to our church. 
Can I show you where the bathrooms are? Can I show you, uh, answer any questions? That kind of, a, and I know many of us have that, but I want to encourage you to continue. And I'm trying to get everybody involved. So it's not just one group or one committee whose assignment is to do that. We have assigned greeters at the doors. That's great, but it's not enough. My point, among others, is we can't share something with people outside our fellowship that we don't share presently with the people in our fellowship. Does that make sense? We can't share something that we're not. We can't pretend. We can't just switch from fighting with each other in the car, which often happens, depends upon how far you have to come, or how many children you have in your family. But, you know, it's pretty hard to be fighting and then, oh, hello, good morning, how are you? So what I'm saying is, this is my goal, this is the ideal. We all fall short. But we cannot portray a loving, caring, inviting church if we're not one. It's just that simple. We've been challenged and pruned and purified in recent days and months. We've come on a long way on the road toward becoming the body of Christ. We're much more unified today. Sure, we have fewer people. Those that didn't agree have left. But we're much more unified than we were months ago. Much more gracious, much more dependent on the Holy Spirit to lead us and empower us than we were when we know that things began to fall apart. We have a lifelong challenge to continue to grow not only in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, but in his grace. Grace. Some churches are called grace. We're called faith. That's, those are all good qualities, aren't they? Absolutely. Now, at this point, I need to say something to somebody that's here. And again, I don't know why, but the Holy Spirit clearly prompted me to ask at this point in my sermon. He said, and I, no, I didn't want to do it. Yes, yes, you do. Somebody needs to hear this. So here it is. Here are the questions that I was prompted to ask you. In your heart of hearts, have you truly forgiven those who didn't agree with you during our recent whatever you want to call it? Have you truly forgiven them? Those who said unkind things about you or your perspective. Those who insisted they were right and you were wrong. Those who disappointed you. Those who didn't meet your expectations for leadership. Have you completely pulled up the root of bitterness that threatened to overtake you? I ask myself and I ask you that and I ask the Lord, why would you want me to say that? And I guess it comes down to this. Would you genuinely be welcoming and inviting to any of those people who eventually left our fellowship who wanted to come and rejoin us. I think that's the, uh, that's the bottom line. Some of those people you were fighting with, you were on the other side of the argument or whatever it was. What if they want to come back? What if God says, come back, this is the fellowship for you. This is where I want you to be. What would you say? Oh no, anybody but them. Or would you say, yes, God, you've forgiven me so much. How can I not forgive? And how can we not join arms and move forward? Join hands. 
How are you doing in that department? If you're doing great, super. If you're not, please, please find a spiritual counselor or guide or mentor that can help you through the process. Because again, we can't portray to people what we're not inside. I want to just take a moment or two, well, maybe two minutes, uh, just to let you know about the experience that Norm and I had when we first came. Uh, so this is your first day, hey, all right. Well, I tell you what, our initial impression was very positive when we came to Faith Church. We noticed you had several, church, uh, several services, so the first Sunday we chose a traditional service, and we were thrilled with the music, which included hymns, piano, organ, choir, even on a summer Sunday. After our first visit, we were warmly greeted by one member of the staff. That was great. Well, we decided to come back because having been pastor and wife for 45 years, we know you just, that's just a snapshot of a church. So we decided to come back, and we were going to go to the contemporary service, see how that one worked. Well, again, we were very impressed. And, uh, and at that point, another member of the staff came over to engage us in personal conversation. And that was great. We really felt welcome. But I'll tell you what really made us feel welcome. It was a positive that, I mean, it was the, um, the meaningful part was that after the second time we were there, sitting behind us in the pew were some people that took the time, not on the staff, it was not their job to do this, took some time then to introduce themselves and ask if we had any questions. And this was happened to be a man that was helping us through that contemporary service because we didn't know many, if any, of the songs. And so I turned around to thank him for that, and he took it from there. And then that was fine, and then we met again out in the parking lot, and he, he could sense our eagerness to, to, to fit in and to get to know people, so he invited us to his Sunday school class the next Sunday. And we thought, sure, why not? We, we were used to Sunday school. We, the church I came from had a great adult Sunday school program. So we were excited to hear that that was the, the thing. So next Sunday, we dutifully came at the appropriate time, because it was the second service when we used to have three. And um, there we were. And uh, we were told by somebody at the door, oh, I'm sorry, we, Sunday, we don't have Sunday school today because it's the church picnic day. We thought, oh, well, okay, but we went, we went anyway to, to the room, you know, the room where it was supposed to be, and it was over in the Hall of Faith, and they were there. There were about a dozen people there on a day when we're not supposed to have Sunday school. Well, come to find out later, the, uh, the, the teacher of the Sunday school class said, well, I had a feeling you'd be back, and I didn't want you to come to an empty room. So I arranged for us to have a class today anyway. And so there is a great example of how we really felt welcome. We were really invited to come into the fellowship. But, of course, you have to take the steps, too. I mean, we could have just hung back and said, oh, I don't think so. We're kind of new. But we didn't. And so we, want, we wanted to say thank you to you, all of you. It was great to hear from the staff, but it was even better to hear from a normal not normal, oh, that's the wrong word, <laughs> an ordinary person, not on the staff. We'd like to think on the staff we're normal, but, uh, but we're really not, or we wouldn't be on the staff. I mean, you know, that's just how it goes. So anyway, that's, a, that's our story, and uh, I hope you have a good story too, but what I'm trying to encourage you today is to be part of that story, and I know some of you are. Just be part of that story. 
Look around. Put your antenna up. Imagine the first time you came to this church, whether it was three months ago or 30 years ago. How were you welcomed? How would you like others to be welcomed? Could you be part of that? Not just say, oh, thank God, there's so many people are doing this. No, you be one of them. Yes, you be one of them. So what does this mean? Well, don't just look for your friends when you come. Don't just talk to the people you always talk to because they're standing over there or they're sitting here or they're sitting there. This requires some effort. You know, there's nothing wrong with sitting with your, your friends or your family. Of course not. But come to, be, come to church to be used by God to minister to somebody else. Now, there's a wild idea, isn't it? Come, we say we come to worship. And then we say, well, what do you have for me? What can I get when I come here? How about what can you give when you come here? Because worship is giving praise to God, telling him how great he is, telling him how much we appreciate him and how we would be nothing without him. So here's a, here's a wild idea for those of you that are, are, are open to that. Come to the church to give more than to get. Amen. Thank you. That's okay. You know, it's not against the rules to say amen. Even in a Presbyterian church. Once I even saw a person kind of raising one. And then once I saw two hands go up. Can you believe it? Oh, I'm just kidding. Okay, let's go ahead. Uh, we need a little comic relief anyway. I appreciate that. May I say it again at the risk of repeating myself. We can't share something that we don't possess. People are more perceptive than we imagine. They want to know if we, if we know and love the Lord. They're looking for an opportunity to feel the very presence and the love of, and the love of God in our worship experiences. Are we really worshiping the Lord? Is God present in a real and palpable way? Are we filled with the Holy Spirit? And it's obvious. Is his presence made known to others by distinguishable fruit? Notice it doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit. It says the fruit of the Spirit. So we don't concentrate on let's get more of peace, let's get more of joy, let's get more of this. No, let's become more like Jesus. Let's be filled with the Holy Spirit and these fruit, fruits, if you wish, will become evident. But the, and the fruit of the Spirit is, well, you could probably already say it with me, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As we see others displaying, possessing and displaying the fruit of the Spirit, we're motivated. We're encouraged. Our little briquette here is just so excited, and it just burns hotter and hotter. And then as we go out, we're prepared to share with others. Oh, don't underestimate the power of encouragement. Share with others what the Lord is doing in your life. I want to be known as an encourager. Barnabas in the New Testament, you know, that wasn't his name. That was his nickname. It was Joseph. I was reading a devotional just today, and I said, and Joseph did that, and Joseph did that, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm a Bible scholar. I've, I've done a lot of reading and studying, but who is Joseph? Well, the idea was he was so encouraging that he was given the nickname Son of Encouragement. I'd like to be known that as an encourager. 
one who looks for and discovers the best in people, one who views life from a positive point of view, one who gives others the benefit of any doubt, one who builds people up and contributes to the general welfare of our congregation. How about you? You can be an encourager. You might not have the spiritual gift of encouraging. That's okay. You can still encourage. I don't have the spiritual gift of giving, but I still present my tithes and offerings to the Lord. So you, yes, you, can be an encourager. In fact, you can do that this very day. Each of us. And don't just give mental assent to a worthy idea. I've I've been a pastor long enough to know this. Some people forget by the time they go out the back door what the sermon was about. All they know is a good sermon. Thank you, Pastor. Or by the time they get to their car, or certainly by the time they get home. So don't just say, you know, that that was stirring. That was very memorable. No, that's not good enough. We're not doing our job. Do something about it. What are you going to do? Who are you going to contact and how? That's my challenge for myself and for you. And then, who can you encourage? And again, if you're thinking about the other briquettes that have gathered together, because we've had sermons and we'll have more about other people outside the church. I'm talking today about the, the, the holy fire here. What about your Sunday school teacher? Have you ever thanked that person for being the teacher? How about your small group leader? How about those of you that are in Women in the Word? Has it ever crossed your mind to say thank you to those that are running the organization or those that are doing the leadership? You know, it's a small thing. It's not hard. Anybody can do it. I really appreciate your ministry. Thank you so very much for your faithfulness week after week. And then what about the choir? If you appreciate the choir, I know you're here at the contemporary service, but all right, let's say not the choir. You can encourage them too. But what about the worship team people? If you see them in the hall, oh, that was a nice service. Thank you. Well, that's good, but it's a really blessed my heart. It really moved me. I felt I was in the presence of God. I really, you know, felt drawn closer to God and closer to each other. Now that is great encouragement. What about a pastor when a sermon is given? You might tell other people how good it was, but you seldom, if ever, tell, tell the person. How about members of the session? Members of the session. Yeah, I know. There's been some whatever, but they all love the Lord. They're doing their very, very best to lead us as they feel God wants us to be. So how about your deacon? Did you know that most people here have a deacon? Somebody that looks after your spiritual welfare? Have you ever thanked them? When my deacon calls, I have a deacon. Can you believe that? When my deacon calls, I thank him for calling. What about those who serve you when you're outside? Your family, your friends, your neighbors, those you work with, those you serve with, those you encounter, and the list goes on and on. When you enter a room, do they people say, here comes the encourager, and everybody's face lights up, and the mood gets just a little bit brighter. That's my goal. And I hope I can inspire some of the rest of us to join me in that goal. One word of encouragement can go a long way toward helping burn brightly together corporately so that we can go out and burn brightly for Jesus.
during the week. So in a careful and loving and upbuilding way, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. Amen.